In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Are you thankful today for the baby Jesus that was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? Thank the Lord. It is why we are here today, amen? Pray with me, church. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this time that we have together today, God. We thank you for the blessing it is to come together in community. And Lord, we thank you most of all that you came 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem, and you came to give us life and life more abundantly. And we rejoice in that today, God. We love you. We thank you. We pray you'd bless the remainder of the time we have together today for your glory and for our good. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Praise God. Well, I don't know about you, but I am excited to be in the house this morning. Anybody happy to be here today? It is a, it is a good day to come into the house, especially on Christmas Eve. I'm not gonna lie, this is easily one of my favorite services of the year. This one and Easter uh, are just so great. There's just so much to be thankful for. Uh, you know, we, we celebrate every day as believers, we celebrate this baby king that was born 2,000 years ago, but there's something extra special about it during the Christmas season where you know that it is our focus. We are laser focused during this time of year on worshiping and praising our God and our king that came to dwell among us 2,000 years ago. And I'm just glad that you guys are here today. I'm glad the kids are in the room this morning. It's just, it's fun to have everybody together all at once. And uh, you know, we're gonna do this again at five o'clock, so there'll be another crowd here tonight. But um, the, the, the morning crowd, uh, we're just so thankful that you guys are here. And uh, in fact, you're welcome to come back tonight. You're gonna see the same thing, but um, it might be worthwhile. You might forget half of it by five o'clock. So, uh, so come on back this evening as well if you'd like to. Uh, it is a great, Thing that we are celebrating, but we also know, and I know that there is, for many of us, uh, this can be a difficult season too. The Christmas season can be challenging because of 
if there's any trauma or any difficulty in life, the, the Christmas season can seem to magnify it and make it challenging. And I want you to know that that is not lost on us as the leadership of this church and uh, that I've been praying for you during this season because I know it can be challenging. Uh, but I want you to know my prayer for you is that despite the circumstances, despite what might be going on, my prayer is that you would still be able to find the joy of this season, that you would be able to celebrate the joy of this season and all that goes into it. Because no matter what we're going through, we, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have something to celebrate at Christmas time. You have something to be joyful about at Christmas time. And some of you might say, well, why? What's the big deal? The big deal is that we are commemorating the fulfillment of hundreds of years of prophecies that got us to this point 2,000 years ago where this baby Jesus was born, where he came to this earth. In fact, one of the greatest prophecies about the coming of Jesus is in Isaiah 7 and verse 14, and many of you will be familiar with this verse. It says that the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is a really, really great thing. In fact, in this, in this verse, this name means everything. I know today we're in a society now where names don't mean a whole lot. When you have a child, a baby, the, what causes us to pick a name for a baby is different than it was back here. For many of us, it's just like, does it sound good with the last name? Is it gonna roll off the tongue? You know, or maybe you wanna pick a name that's easy to remember. Uh, Joy and I had a, a friend back when we were in YWAM and his last name was Barrow. And when he was born, his parents decided to call him Will. So you guys are gonna remember his name forever and you never even met him. And, uh, but sometimes we just want a unique name. You know, I saw, saw not too long ago somebody named their child Cricket. You're gonna remember that one too. And uh, I saw one that I can only assume is pronounced Abkada, which is spelled A-B-C-D-E. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I just, I'm just the messenger here, okay? Uh, that child's gonna learn the first five letters of the alphabet quickly though, that'll be good. But you know, we don't have put a lot into names, but in this situation, the name means everything because the name here actually gives us context. I mean, this verse is really great that it says a virgin will conceive a child. That's actually pretty cool in and of itself, right? That a virgin could get, could get pregnant with a child, that's amazing. But it doesn't stop there because the context that we find is that well, by saying that this child's name will be Emmanuel, it means God with us. It's actually telling us what this child or who this child is going to be. And that for the first time in the history of the world, God himself is going to live on the earth and dwell among us. In fact, in John, uh, John 1 and 14, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us that God became flesh, became a human being and lived among us and dwelt among us. This is a reference to Jesus coming and living on the earth. And the best part about all of this is that it is not just a history lesson. We're not just here celebrating something that happened two years ago or 2000 years ago and thinking, wow, that was really cool for those people that lived back then that got to experience God in the flesh living on the earth. That's really cool and we're really excited for them. It's so much more than that. This is not just a history lesson. It's not just about God being Emmanuel for 33 years on the earth 2,000 years ago, but it's about the fact that he, when he became Emmanuel, he has never stopped being Emmanuel. When he came to dwell on the earth, he has never stopped dwelling on the earth. And you might say, well, wait a minute. He only lived 33 years, then he died and went back to heaven. He's not here. Well, you're right. 
But Jesus didn't come back to the earth after he died and went to heaven yet. He is, he hasn't come yet. But when he went away, he actually sent his spirit to dwell here with us. In fact, the verse that is so good that shows us this is in John 14. And this is Jesus speaking when he was still alive on the earth. And he said, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate which, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you. That's Emmanuel. And now and later he will be in you. So the Holy Spirit comes to live with us. So he's still Emmanuel. He's still God with us. But he took it to another level, church. He didn't just come to be on the earth with us and beside us. Now it says later he's going to be in you. And if you have any question about what, when later is, later is right now. Later is ever since Jesus sent his spirit to the earth to dwell in us. And it's actually better than just being on the earth when Jesus was walking around in the flesh because now not only is he dwelling with us, now he's dwelling in us. And that is what Christmas is really about. It's about celebrating the fact that he came, not just that he came to live here for 33 years, but that he came to stay and to live in us. And that is why we can have joy in this season no matter what we're going through, because there's just so much more to the life and even to the Christmas story than what you will see in the shallow areas. The depth of it tells us that God is not only with us, but he is actually in us. The significance of what we're celebrating today cannot be overstated. You know, when Jesus finally came and was born on the earth, there had been a 400 year period of silence where God just completely ghosted the earth. He didn't speak, he didn't say anything for 400 years that he didn't talk. And then here comes Jesus, who when he was born actually sped up the plan that was by the way created since the, before the beginning of the world, the plan to redeem people back to himself. And it is so beautiful and it is so important that we understand it because see, this is what makes Jesus such a unique king. If you've been here, you know we've been, the theme for this month has been King Jesus. We talk about the fact that he is a king, that he was born a king, he lived a king, he died a king, he went back to heaven as a king, and he's coming back one day as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And we're thankful for that. But this is what makes him such a unique king is that he was so different than any other king. I mean, what other king would leave his throne to come to a place to be among the common people where he's gonna be despised, he's gonna be hated, he's gonna be rejected, and he's eventually going to be crucified as a common criminal? What other king would do that? That's what makes this king so amazing because that's exactly what he did. And it's so great because of what, we did, what he did, we can have relationship with him. We get to be in relationship with him. And for those of us that have that relationship with him, we know that it is so great because that is what builds up and brings out that unspeakable joy that comes into our life, even in tough circumstances. It's the joy that sustains us when we're going through trials because it's more than you can really ever discuss. It's something you have to experience. And he wants us to experience that. That's why he came to this earth to die for you and for me. And if this isn't something you're very familiar with, it can sound like, man, there's gotta be a catch. There has to be a catch. But there isn't a catch. The angel, when the angel spoke to the shepherds when Jesus was born, he said, listen, this is good news. And it's gonna bring great joy for all the people. There's no catch. It's for all who will receive. 
Now, if there is a catch, it's only that this is something that can only be received by those who will live their lives for him. We are required to live for him. It's the only thing we can give him is our lives because he's a king. What do we have to give a king that a king would want? Especially the king of the universe that has everything. We have nothing to give him. But he says, since I have come and I have lived and I have died for you, and now I wanna give you my spirit to receive that spirit to live in us, it is required upon us that we would live our lives for him. That we would live our lives as an offering to him that we would live our lives in surrender to him. Because see, his spirit doesn't just come and live in every person on the, on the earth. It's reserved for those who will give their lives to him because of what he has done for us. And we thank God for that corporately, of course, but it's also an individual thing where he's been faithful to us as individuals, all of us. No matter what we've been through this year, we know that he is faithful and we do what we do, we serve him, we, we love him, we live our lives for him in response to what he has done for us. And as we celebrate Christmas this year, let's not get caught up in the glitz and the glamor and the traditions that Christmas entails. Those things are all good, there's nothing wrong with them. But those things in and of themselves are empty. Traditions are fine. Um, we have traditions that we've, we've done as a family. I had traditions growing up. Obviously, uh, Kel has a, a weird tradition that I don't understand, but that is what it is. <laughs> uh, it's okay, because when their kids come to the house, joy spoils them, so it's fine. Uh, we had one growing up. I remember that uh, we always opened our gifts on Christmas Eve in the evening. Uh, I'm not even sure why. We just always did it that way, so... Uh, we'd go to our candle lighting service at our church, and then we'd go over to my aunt's house, and we'd have dinner, and it was the same dinner every year. It was oyster stew and sloppy joes. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I don't, I don't know, church. I don't know. But that's what we had. And then we got really crazy a little later before I moved away that uh, we got co cocktail shrimp with it, so I just filled up on that. Uh, but um, then we'd tear open our gifts after dinner, and it was fun, and it was, it's a thing, you know, and it, traditions, they're actually good things in Christmas. Traditions can be great, but in and of themselves, they can be very empty because we know enough to know, and if you're here today, you at least probably have some God knowledge. You at least have some understanding of what Christmas is about, and what we know is that Christmas is about Jesus, but our God is so good because it's not just that it's about him. It's also for us. You know, Jesus came to this earth. He dwelt among us. He lived on this earth. He didn't just come to earth to show us how awesome of a God he is or to show us that he could do it if he wants to or that he just came to be here so he could, you know, whip us all into shape. He actually came here for us. So it's about him, but it's for us. In fact, one of the other great prophecies about the coming of the Messiah in Isaiah that tells us is so good in Isaiah 9 and 6, it says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. See how it's about him, but it's for us? And it goes on to say the government will be on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So even though it's about him, it is for us. In fact, let's personalize it today. Even though it's about him, it's for you. To you, a child is born. To you, a son is given. And you might say, oh, preacher, you just don't know. I, I've made so many mistakes. There's just no way. I, it wasn't for me. 
I'm here today because I'm just paying some penance. I'm here today because it'll make my mama happy. This, I know this isn't for me. I'm here to tell you today that it is for you. I'm here to tell you today that the mistakes you've made and all the screw-ups you've had in your life, this was why he came. You see, if we were good enough, if we didn't make a ton of mistakes, if we weren't helpless sinners, he wouldn't have had to come. Why would God leave his throne, come to heaven and die a criminal's death if he didn't have to? He did it because that was the only way. Because to be redeemed back to him, to be forgiven of our sins, because he's a holy God and can't just overlook it, he had to pay the price for it because we couldn't do it. So the fact that you've messed up, the fact that you've made a million mistakes is why he came. In fact, Jesus said to him who has been forgiven much, he loves much. It is the reason that he's here. He is one of a kind. He is the only kind of king that he's ever, that it's the only king that has been the way he is. He is one of a kind. He's often imitated, never duplicated, amen? He is a unique king. In fact, everything about, most of the things about his kingship when he was on this earth were contradictory to what a normal king would look like. In fact, I'll just give you a few of them real quickly today. First of all, his birth was a contradiction to what kingship should look like. You know, a king would be born typically in a palace or in a castle, and he's gonna be in a place where everything's gonna be clean and sanitary. Not our king. He was born in a barn, basically, and he was placed in a feeding trough where animals ate out of. He, that's where he was put. The opposite of sanitary is where our God came. And he came from the, in the humblest of beginnings, because he was showing us what it's like to be part of his kingdom on this earth, to live in humility, that we don't strive for the things that the world would strive for, but we live a life of humility. A king would typically be surrounded by all the important people in the, in the kingdom when he was born. All the dignitaries, all the, all the politicians, the people that were somebodies would be around. Not our king. When he was born, he was, there were shepherds. And shepherds, you know, in a Christmas play, they look kind of cool, but if you know anything about the time back then, shepherds were the low, low point of the totem pole. They were actually considered dirty and offensive, and tending sheep was one of the lowest professions you could have. In fact, they typically did it outside of the city because people didn't want shepherds in the city working with sheep. Yet that is who God decided to surround himself with when he came to the earth. That is who the angel announced his coming to was these shepherds. An announcement of a normal king would be, you know, to the, to the important people, the king is here, but not our God. He, he came and announced himself to the lowest of the low. Even his clothing. When a king is born, they're going to put him in the nicest clothes. He's going to have silk and, and all the nicest things that you could possibly have and, and make sure that he's perfectly comfortable. Our king, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, which is just a nice way of saying he was wrapped in torn cloths. Basically, whatever they could find. A king is born, they put a crown on his head. Our king got a crown, but it was a little later, and it wasn't the kind of crown you would want. Everything about his birth was contradictory to how a normal king would be. But also in his life. His life was contradictory. A king would typically have a life of privilege, a life of, of all the best of the best, that everything that he would want at his disposal would be there that he would live to be served. They're exalted, they're above everybody. 
And that people are li- literally, their people's lives around them are lived to serve him. In fact, it would be offensive for a normal king to serve people because that was a sign of weakness. But not our king. Our king actually told us that he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came the opposite. He came in, in such a way that would be completely contradictory to the life of a king. He took the lowly position. I mean, it's so absurd when you think about it. It would be like the president of the United States coming to your house, and as soon as he gets there, he just starts waiting on you hand and foot. It, w- it would throw you your whole mindset out of kilter because it's just not the way it typically is, yet that is exactly how this king worked in us in, 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 on the earth. And you know, he didn't do this so that people would feel sorry for him. There was actually purpose in it. There was purpose in what he did. Because here's the thing, church, the people that are hungry for God, that are looking for God, when they saw Jesus, they still saw a king. They saw a king. Because he revealed himself to those that wanted to see him. It wasn't about trying to feel sorry for him because he was just this lowly person, but it was about making sure that those that were hungry for him would see him. Talked about this last week, actually, if you were here, that there are secrets about the kingdom of God. There are secrets that we have to actually seek out. We have to find. And it's not that God hides things from us. He hides things for us because he wants those that will seek him and come after him. So his life was a complete contradiction. And one of the biggest things about his life that was a contradiction that is such a blessing to us is his accessibility. Talked about this a couple weeks ago that most kings would insulate themselves from their people, but our God doesn't do that. Our king says, come into my presence, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Not only does he make himself accessible, he actually invites us into that place with him. And that is a beautiful thing. I'm so thankful that that he lives a contradiction to what normal kings would live, because that's exactly what we need in our life. A normal king would say, just follow the rules and leave me alone. Our God doesn't care about us leaving him alone. He wants us to come into his presence. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened. And he's not just looking for us to follow the rules. He wants relationship with us because he's just that good. Are you weary and burdened? He says, come to me. Our king is a king for the weary and the burdened. Our king is a king for the down and out. Our king is a king for the forgotten, for the left behind, for the hurting, for the lonely. Our king is the king for all those that would be overlooked by anybody else. That's our king. That's who he is for. He is for us. And maybe you've held back from even serving him, living for him, giving your life to him because you're scared, because you think, I just don't measure up. Well, church, I came to tell you today, the days of being scared of God are over. There is no reason for any of us to be scared of God. Now, to have reverence for him, yes. To honor him, yes, but not to be scared. In fact, when when the angel showed up, when Jesus was born, it says that the people were terrified, and the first thing the angel said was, do not be afraid. The days of being afraid of God are over because he just wants you. He wants your life. He wants to know you. The angel said, I bring good news. The gospel is good news for us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to be his. That's what he wants for each and every one of us.
His life was a contradiction and so was his death. His death was a contradiction. Even the way he died, he didn't die like an ordinary king. You know, for an ordinary king to die, it was a bad day for the kingdom because that meant that somehow people got to him. The king was the last line of defense. He was insulated from the battle, from the people. So if they got to the king, that was a tough day for the kingdom. The day the king dies is a bad day for the kingdom, but not for our king. The day our king died was one of the best days of his kingdom. You see, the king's reign, a normal king's reign, ends the day he dies. Jesus' reign, our king reign, his reign started the day he died. His reign continues forever. His reign, what he did was he got victory, victory when he died. He got victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave when he died. So his death was not a bad day for the kingdom. It was actually one of the best days for the kingdom. And we thank God for that today because of who he is and what he has done for us. Thank you, yes, praise God, praise God. He wasn't the first king to die a torturous death, but he was the first king to come for that purpose, to actually that be his purpose in coming, to die a sinner's death for his people. When a king, a normal king dies, it is the end. They're nothing but a memory, the reign is over, and it's just time to move on to the next king. But with Jesus, it was when he won, was when he died. And he's still winning today. And he will continue to win. His victories come because of what he has done and what he continues to do in our life. So the question for us today is, is he your king? Is he your king? Yes. Praise God. Let me tell you, one of the other contradictions about this king that we've shared in the past is that being part of this kingdom is voluntary. Any other king, if, you, if you're in the vicinity, you're part of that kingdom, you're gonna be forced to live the way they want you to live and support the king. But our king, he lets it be voluntary for us to be part of his kingdom. We get to choose whether or not we're going to give our life to him, whether or not we're going to live for him. And the thing is about this is that if the only way to not get what you deserve is to be part of this kingdom. Now you might be here today and say, well, I want what I deserve, I'm a good person. Well, the Bible's pretty clear that none of us are good enough and that really to get what we deserve is death because we're all sinners by birth. We're born into it in our life. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So that the, the, the sin that we live in, that we cannot atone for ourselves because we're not good enough, that our, what we deserve from that is death. But that verse in Romans, it tells us about the wages of sin being death. It goes on to say that the gift of God is eternal life but it's only through Jesus. It's only through giving your life to Jesus and living for him. And I would encourage you in this Christmas season, if, if maybe the, the Christmas time for you is a time to, to come to church, it's a time to be together with family and be part of church and to have a good time together, that's all great and good. But I, if I could challenge you this year that it's to make it more than just about coming to a service, but about actually living your life for him, to choose to be part of his kingdom and living your life as an offering to him because of what he has done for us. I wanna pray for us today. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Your word is what brings life into our bones. It brings life into our spirit. Thank you that you came to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. 
God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice today. Lord, that you would move upon our hearts. God, that you would help us all to take our next step in our faith. For some, that might be to just step into this kingdom for the first time. For some, it might be just willing to, to live our life more for you, that there would be less of us and more of you. Whatever it is, God, help us to take that next step. Spirit, move in our hearts and in our lives today. Glorify yourself in us. We thank you for your son's birth. We thank you for 2,000 years ago, him coming and being Emmanuel, and that that did not stop when he died, but it has continued, and it will continue forever and ever and ever, and we thank you for it today, Jesus. We love you, we bless you, we honor you today, and it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you.